You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. We're going to go right into the reading of the Word tonight. We're going to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 36, Isaiah 36. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 36, verses 1 and 2. Hallelujah. While you're turning there, I just want to say what a great honor it is to be with you tonight and and the previous services that we have been in together. Uh, I just feel like God has had His way in this revival. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Isaiah Chapter 36, verses 1 and 2, if you have it, say amen. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defensed cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem unto King Hezekiah with a great army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. I want to preach to you tonight on this thought, the remnant of Judah. The remnant of Judah. Would you pray with me before we're seated? Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful to be gathered together in your house once again tonight with people of like precious faith. Lord, I thank you for the faith that we have already enjoyed in this service. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth, Lord, that you would receive glory. Lord, and that you would pour out of your spirit upon all flesh here tonight. That faith would continue to build. That the gift of faith would continue to be released. And the working of miracles and the gifts of healing and the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge would be released in this house here tonight, God. I pray now, Lord, that you would just dispatch angels to this place. Lord, you see those that are hanging on by a thread, those that are standing on the edge, God, wondering what tomorrow will bring. God, I pray you would release the ministry of this word in your spirit, Lord, to reach them right where they are, God, and bring them to a place of great faith tonight, knowing that your hand is on them, that you've sustained them, that you've kept them, and that you have a future for them. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time as you're seated tonight? Praise the Lord. This passage of Scripture says that the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, he came up against all the defensed cities of Judah, and he took them. He brought on an attack. He brought on an assault. And he was successful 
in his attack. He was successful in his assault up to a certain measure. The Bible says that he attacked defensed cities, defensed cities. And I want to look at that for just a moment. What is a defensed city? A defensed city is something that you have grown to rely on. Something that you consider to be established. It's not something that you worry about. It's not something that you ever thought could be taken. It's not something that you lose sleep over, but a defense city is established. It's strong. You consider it to be part of the permanent landscape of your life. You consider it to be something or someone that could never be shaken, that would not be deterred by an attack, that would not be in any way intimidated by the voice of the adversary. But here in the kingdom of Judah, we see that King Sennacherib came against the defensed cities, places that they thought were impermeable, places that they thought were impenetrable, yet he came against them and took them. Perhaps you have experienced the fall of a defense city in your life. Hmm. Ha. The things that we think are safe, the people that we think are safe, the things that we have grown to rely on, the families that we have leaned on in the past, the things that we have counted on to be a constant source of stability in our life. You came out of a broken home. You know what it is to experience a defensed city fall. Mom and dad were supposed to be there. It's God's plan. The family unit is meant to be a safe place. But when mom walked out or when dad walked out or when things began to crumble, all of a sudden, uh, this place that you never even thought uh, could be broken, this defense city in your life uh, that you thought would forever be a place of safety uh, begins to crumble around you. And the foundation of your faith is challenged. It's the family that you have seen for decades in church. And, and you thought, hey, they're always going to be there. They're, they're never going to leave. Hey, I, I can mimic her shout. I can, I can copy his dance because he's there every Sunday. She, she's there shouting week after week. I, I, I even know what it sounds like when she prays because she's always in the prayer room. And then out of nowhere, a storm in life shows up in this family that you never thought could be shaken. This person whose faith you've always relied on begins to shake and crumble before your eyes and before you know it. 
They're absent. Mm. A defensed city. Ah. Over the last 16 months, the church has witnessed and experienced some defense cities fall that we never thought would fall. We never thought it would be possible that we couldn't gather together, but it happened. We never thought that fear could grip the hearts of the faithful, but it happened. We never thought that we could lose our shout, but there was a time where it was silent in the church. There was a time that we never thought the Pentecostals would stop running. Surely the apostolics won't quit dancing, but it happened. It never dawned on us that there would be a day where it would be unsafe for us to lay hands on somebody and pray for them. Yet it happened. Every defense city that we had grown accustomed to, everything that we had always relied on, every verse we had ever pulled out and used as a weapon, all of a sudden, everything came into question. And we didn't know which way was up, which way was down. What can we do? What can't we do? I'll tell you what was happening. You were experiencing that same attack that they experienced in the kingdom of Judah when King Sennacherib showed up and he came against the defense cities and took them. The Bible says that Jerusalem was all that was left. Mm. Jerusalem. What does Jerusalem represent to us? I'll tell you, Jerusalem represents everything to the apostolic church. It's where it all began. It represents the most holy tenets of your faith. It's the intangibles that you possess. It is the things that the enemy cannot take from you unless you surrender them. Yes, he shut the doors of the church. Yes, there were some families that disappeared. Yes, there was a shout that went silent. Yes, there was a dance that vacated the premises. Yes, there were things that we counted on that all of a sudden we felt we could no longer count on. But Jerusalem was still there. We still had the name of Jesus. We still had the blood of Jesus. We still had faith in his word. We still were holding on to Jerusalem. There was an invisible remnant inside the people of God that said, hey, we don't understand the chaos. We can't see in the midst of this whirlwind. But there's a Jerusalem in side of me that tells me that God is on the other side of this season. If I can just hang on to Jerusalem, there's going to be another season to follow. 
And here comes King Sennacherib's army to the walls of Jerusalem. The only city left standing. The only city that he had not attacked and taken. And when he showed up that day, he did not show up with a plan to attack. He showed up with a plan to intimidate. You need to hear me today. The enemy understands the power of of the remnant that's inside of you. He knows he can attack your family. He can attack you on the job. He can attack your finances. There's all these different areas and all these different angles that he can try to get at you at. But he knows that the only way he's going to take Jerusalem is if Jerusalem surrenders. So you have to make a decision. Hey, it doesn't matter what kind of carnage, what kind of chaos, what kind of wreckage is laying all around me. I will not surrender the name. I will not surrender the Holy Ghost. I will not surrender salvation. It doesn't matter what kind of destruction is on the horizon or how many defense cities have fallen. I'm still hanging on to Jerusalem. If Jerusalem is all I got, Jerusalem is all I need to see a victory. Why even come after Jerusalem? I mean, he had taken a whole lot of ground. He'd taken a whole lot of territory. I think Paul said it best when he said, A little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. Let me tell you, there is a law, the law of the remnant, and it works both ways in your life. It's why the enemy will say, hey, you can have 99% of your heart surrendered to God, but if you'll just give me the 1%, that's all I need to bring destruction in your life. Yeah, you go ahead and obey this and surrender that and submit to this, but this little thing that you got on the back burner, this little thing that you got hidden in the closet, he said, you just keep that on reserve for me. Don't nobody need to know about that. Don't nobody need to know what you got hiding in your closet. Doesn't anybody need to know about that 1%? Yeah, you're obeying on the outside, but nobody needs to know that you're resentful on the inside. Yeah, you got a smile on your face, but don't nobody need to know that you've been looking on the horizon because you got destination disease. The enemy says, hey, you just keep hanging on to that 1% because that 1% is all I need to bring destruction in your life. Mm. Just a little leaven. And eventually, 
I'll have all of you. But it works both ways. And King Sennacherib knew it. He looked at all the defense cities of Judah that he had taken. And he knew he hadn't won anything. Because as long as Jerusalem was standing, he did not have the victory. He said, I need to send a garrison. I need to send a company of soldiers to the walls of Jerusalem. What we need is for Jerusalem to surrender. What we need is for the men to come down off the wall. What we need is to strike fear into their heart. What we need is to devalue what they've been holding on to inside and make it feel like their faith is worthless. Make them feel like their salvation has no worth. Make them feel like the things and the promises and the words that they've been hanging on to have no future and have no life. If I can intimidate them, if I can get in their face, then they'll come down off the wall and they'll surrender Jerusalem to me. When the soldiers showed up that day, they began to talk in the same language as the children of Israel. And Eliakim on the wall, the leader of the men on the wall of Jerusalem, he shouted back down to Sennacherib. You know what he said? He said, hey, I speak the Syrian language. He said, just talk to me in the Syrian language. Because I don't want them to hear what you have to say. See, Rabshakeh showed up. And he said, I've come with a blank check. What's it going to take to get you off the wall? You got a calling you've been sitting on and you haven't been used the way you thought you should be used? We can use you in Syria. You need a promotion? We got promotions available in Syria. Not happy with the income that you're at right now? Don't you worry. We can elevate your income in Syria. Need a few more material possessions? No problem. Just come down off the wall and sign right here. Huh? And we can increase your material possessions. Huh? Hey, you tell us huh, what it is that you need. Huh? Because Syria huh, has got a bottomless pit of wealth. Huh? We got all the land. Huh? We got all the territory. Huh? We got all the elevation. Huh? We got all the influence. Huh? We got all the positions. Huh? All we need huh, is for you to come down off the wall. Eliakim looked down and said, hey, I speak in the Syrian language. Talk to me. And Rabshakeh looked up at him and said, I didn't come to talk to you. He said, I came to talk to them. He was looking to steal the body. Before he cut off the head. But the Bible says. That those men on the wall. Stood there stone faced. And the Bible says. 
They answered him not a word. <laughs> you ever talk to somebody and you know they're not listening? They're looking at you, but you know they ain't listening. Husbands and wives don't look at each other right now. Now you just eyes forward. But you've been going on five minutes, and they're like, huh? Oh, well, did you say something? Some of you need to get that same attitude when the enemy shows up and says, let's make a deal. You need a purpose in your heart. I'm not going to engage in conversation with the enemy. Hey, you know when conversation begins? It begins the moment you start listening. Not when you start talking. When you start listening, conversation has begun. And I got news for you. I got no correspondence. I got no conversation that I want to have with the adversary. I learned a long time time ago huh, that I can't outwit huh, the father of lies. Huh, but you know what I can do? Huh, I can worship my way huh, right out of his company. Huh, and I can say, hey, huh, oh, the adversary showed up. Huh, he wants to make a deal. Huh, now be a real good time huh, to begin to magnify the Lord. Huh, because I'm not going to listen huh, and I'm not going to answer him huh, a word. Huh, I don't want to hear any offers. Huh, I don't want to hear huh, anything he's got to say. I'm going to answer him not a word so many of our problems begin the moment we bend our ear to the adversary and we try to justify oh well I'm not talking back listening is an answer Mm. Listening is an answer. Hey, how many times did you see it on social media last year? Your silence speaks for you. If you're listening, you're answering. He knows when you have bent your ear towards. Mm. There are promises, there are words, there is faith, there is doctrine. Inside of you, that the enemy will never be able to take from you unless you surrender it. That is your Jerusalem. And I got news for you the enemy shows up right after the defense cities fall. Because he knows you're standing on that wall and on the horizon of your life is nothing but pain, destruction, chaos, 
questions that don't seem to have any answers. And it's right then that he shows up with the checkbook uh, and says, name your price. Name your price. Uh, what's it going to take uh, to get you off the wall? Uh, but you ought to... <laughs> You ought to make a decision right here and now tonight. God, if I lose it all, Lord, if I go through a season, God forbid, like Job did, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to make a choice tonight that if Jerusalem is all I got, then Jerusalem is all I need. If all I got left is my salvation, I'm not going to surrender my salvation. Uh, if all I got left uh, is just a little bit of hope, uh, then I'm not going to give up uh, on that hope. Uh, if all I got uh, is a promise uh, from years ago, uh, I'm not going to give up uh, on that promise. Uh, if all I got uh, is a word, uh, then that word uh, is all I need. Uh, my remnant uh, is enough uh, to bring victory uh, in my life. Yeah. Wow. The enemy understands the power of your remnant. He understands that a believer can stand on a prayer in the middle of a wasteland and pray his way to victory. He hates that a worshiper can worship with only a little bit of faith in his spirit and worship his way out of a place that seems to be dark and has no hope. He wants to destroy the power of the Remnant in the church. Hey, it was just five loaves and two fish that fed 5,000. It was just an army of 300 that took out an army of thousands. It was just a slingshot that brought down a giant. It was just the jawbone of a donkey that slayed an army of Philistines. Hey, friend, your remnant is more valuable than you think. And it's all you need for God to bring victory to your life. Uh, He wants you to think your remnant is invaluable, but it's literally the key to your victory. Mm. Isaiah 36 and 4 says, And Rob Shaka said unto them, Say ye now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this? Wherein thou trustest. He said, tell him, the king of Assyria has a question. Where is your confidence? What makes you think that if you stay there, 
things are going to go your way. What makes you think that if you just hold the wall that God will be on your side? Don't you know who's against you? I'm pushing up against something right now. Woo. This is why you need dominion in your home. So, Rob Shaka's got an amplifier in some of your houses. And all you hear is the chaos and the destruction of the world around you. And all you think about is how things are just going down. And things are spiraling out of control. And I just don't know how the church is going to make it. I just don't see how we're coming out of this season. Do you know what you're hearing? You're hearing the voice of Rob Shaka. He's saying, hey, what confidence have you? What confidence? What confidence have you? What confidence have you? What makes you think that the church will have end time revival? What makes you think that God's going to heal your body? What gives you so much confidence to believe that God is on your side when everything within your view is against you? He wants to belittle your remnant. Mm. I got an answer. I got an answer for you that have been enduring the mocking voice of the adversary in your life. I know where my confidence is tonight. First John 5 and 13 reads this way. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. I wish somebody would get a hold of this tonight. You've been listening to the voice of your problem. You've been listening to the mocking of your circumstance, trying to belittle your faith. But you ought to rise up and say, I got confidence in my God because his word says that if I cry out to him, he's going to hear me. If I pray his will, he's going to answer. If I call out to him he's gonna show up that is my confidence see the enemy When he shows up, he tries to position himself in a place, in a circumstance, in a situation, in the life of a loved one, in a place where he can intimidate you most. Uh, See, the Bible says that when Rabshakeh showed up... Let's see if there's any more life over here. 
when Rabshaka showed up, he stood by the conduit of the upper pool. Mm, ah. You know what he was saying? Look at where we're standing. We are a threat to your water source. If we cut off your water supply, it's just a matter of time before you got to come out of Jerusalem. You better pay attention to where we're standing, Eliakim, because all we got to do is start digging. All we got to do is cause a little bit of destruction outside the wall, and we're going to mess up your water source. Let's see how this section's doing. Let me show you something. The enemy, he knows all he has to do is cut off the flow in your life. He doesn't have to launch missiles over the wall. He knows, hey, if I can just cut off the flow, it's just a matter of time before they walk out on their own. Yeah, you know, I don't have to use our armament. I don't have to exert the energy of my men. All I got to do is cut off the flow. I'll tell you what, I got the right message for tonight. Ah. Get ready. Oh, that's good, preacher. He's preaching. That's the word. Hallelujah. What time's our reservation? You think it was an accident that when we came back, it was harder for you to shout, harder for you to dance? Oh, I, I don't know if I can step out of my aisle. It's been 10 years since I took a lap. I don't even know if I remember my Pentecostal dance moves. Mm. It's, it may be a little humorous, but it's right on point, friend. Huh. The enemy knows hey, if I can just get them to go silent, <laughs> if I can just rob them of their response, <laughs> if I can just get them to go idle while the presence of God passes by their way, if I can just get them to be complacent when there are miracles in the house, if I can just get their minds somewhere else when Jesus is in the building, hey, that's all I got to do to take Jerusalem. Hey, somebody ought to make a decision tonight. I'm going to get my flow back. I'm going to get my flow back. The enemy is not going to threaten my source of living water. I've come to get my flow back tonight. Hey, if your flow's all you got, your flow's all you need. 
I don't want to shout too loud. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to get branded in the church as the crazy worshiper. It's all good. I, I grew, I go to an apostolic church. We had a lady, and she had a brand. She was on row two, and didn't nobody worship like her. She was known as CO2, crazy on two. The CO2's in the house. Hey, come on, they'd be 90 seconds into the first song. You're still rubbing sleep out of your eyes, and girl be laid out in the aisle. But honey, she had her flow. She decided, hey, I don't care if they want to stand in a barren wasteland. I'm going to worship God with everything I got. It doesn't matter what you think, what you think, or what you think. I came to glorify the name of God. I've come to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm going to stay and live in the flow. Ah. You know what? We talked about dominion in the home yesterday. Let me tell you something. It ain't good for your family to walk into an oasis and return home to a desert. Some of you need to go home tonight and get the flow back in your home. Your home ought to be a place where the Holy Ghost can move at the dinner table. Your, your home ought to be a place where you can be quickened to give your son or daughter a word at a moment's notice. Your home ought to be a place where at the nudge of the Holy Ghost you can begin to pray for a missionary in another country. Your home ought to be a place where the flow of the Holy Ghost is something that your family welcomes and is comfortable with. Carnality should feel awkward in your house. Mighty God. Hmm. Any of you ever had an attack come against your family? And when you saw what was coming, and you looked at your resources, you thought, hey, I'm outgunned. I'm outmatched. I'm outnumbered. All right, nobody. Well, it's happened to me multiple times. Where it felt like the enemy came against our finances, came against our kids. Uh, all right. Came against our marriage, came against our friendships, 
came against our fellowship. Am I preaching to you yet? Is this anybody or are you just impervious to the attack of the enemy? I don't know about you, but I've had the enemy come against friendships. He's come against fellowship. He's come against my marriage. He's come against my kids. He's come against my finances. And there were times where I thought, God, I just don't have what it takes to make it through this. God, I don't feel like I got the resource. I don't got the stamina. I don't got the endurance. I'm going to tell you what you do when the enemy shows up at the wall. You do the same thing that Hezekiah did. Hezekiah took that letter that was sent to him and he said, God, the enemy is greater. They got more stuff. They got more power. They got more people. But God, I know that if I spread my petition out on this altar, that you are going to answer. God, I know there is no adversary that is greater than you. You have an answer for Syria, and I'm petitioning you today. Ah. Woo. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. Ah. When you feel that way, it's not time to fret. It's time to pray. Mm. That's what Hezekiah did. He went to prayer. And let me tell you, the Lord answered. Mm. Isaiah 37, beginning with verse 31. And the remnant, look at your neighbor and say, that's us. And the remnant that is escaped out of the house of Judah. You know, the fact that you're even in Jerusalem is a miracle. Huh? There was a remnant of people huh, that had stood in those defense cities huh, that were able to escape to Jerusalem. Huh? And it was a miracle huh, that when they were even there, huh, hey, huh, the enemy has tried to belittle your faith huh, and belittle your promises huh, and tell you you don't have a future. Huh? But the truth is, huh, it's a miracle huh, that you're on the wall huh, to begin with. Ah. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again. You need to hear this. This is a word about this season. Six months ago, eight months ago, some of you, don't look left or right, thought it was over for the church. I know, I know nobody wants to say amen. But I've had those conversations with people. They didn't know how we were going to move forward. That's how this, this is it. This is it. It's over. I got a word for you. Ah, for out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and they that escape out of Mount Zion, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts shall do. The house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. I got news for you. The remnant has got a root, and that root has just started growing. There is a season of fruitfulness on the horizon for the church. Wow. And as for your enemy, <laughs> ah, therefore, thus saith the Lord 
concerning the king of Assyria. Friend, you ain't got to be scared of what's going on in the world. The Lord told him, he shall not come into this city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. For my own sake. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I put my name there. 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 Hey, I'm going to defend my name. I'm going to stand strong and protect my name. No arrow is going to come in there. No, the enemy won't have access there. I will defend my name. We need to start preparing for verse 36. It was spoken Thursday night at camp about angelic embushments. There's been more angelic activity this year that I have become aware of than I have ever been aware of in the past. And you are about to start becoming real aware of angelic activity going on around then the angel of the Lord went forth and smote in the camp of the Assyrians a hundred and fourscore and five thousand. And when they arose early in the morning, behold, they were all dead corpses. A hundred and eighty-five thousand dead bodies. All right, victory, victory shall be mine. Victory, victory shall be mine. No, I may not have what it takes to come against him, but he does, he does. He's got an angel. He's going to dispatch for the church in the... Victory shall be ours. All we got to do is return to the river. All we got to make sure is there's a flow in our life. If you will preserve the flow from the upper pool, then you have done everything that you need to do for the Lord to move on your behalf. Hey, you can get real with God and say, God, I don't have the resources. I don't have the answers. I don't know what to say. God, I don't even know what to pray. But I know this. You have never left me nor forsaken me and you're not going to start now. So God, release the zeal of the Lord on my behalf. Release an angel army to fight for the church. Uh, 
The psalmist wrote, I have pursued mine enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn again till they were consumed. God is getting ready to help the church win some of the greatest victories that we have ever seen. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, shall I not be confounded. Therefore, have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. Fear not, Calvary. Fear not for what has come against you. For the Lord is with you. I'm going to close with this scripture. Deuteronomy 10 and 22. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with three score and ten persons. Seventy people. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. I'll tell you what the world's saying. Look at those apostolics. We shook them. We intimidated them. Oh, look. Look at the ones that left. Look at the ones that ran. Look at the ones that surrendered. Look at the ones that came down off the wall. Look. Their numbers are shrinking. Their numbers are shrinking. There's hardly any left. There's only a remnant. There's only a small remaining quantity. That's what remnant means. There's just a small remaining quantity. Well, I got news for you. If he can turn 70 into a multitude that is as great as the stars numbered in the sky. Hey, what can he do with the apostolic church in 2021? He's got everyone and everything he needs. He's getting ready to release the remnant into our world. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? Uh, You don't need to be intimidated by the size of your remnant. You know, when they were standing on that wall, I can just imagine what's going through their mind. How long can we stay here before we run out of resources? How long can we hold the wall before somebody's got to go out? How long?
How long can we withstand the intimidation, the fear, the onslaught? How long? They're just going to wait us out. Don't you know it? They're just, they're just waiting for us to run out of food. Then they're going to come in when we're starving and broken. They're just waiting for us to run out of hope. And then they're going to storm the gates. They're just, they're just waiting for our faith to be broken. And then they're going to storm the gates of this city and destroy Lord Jesus tonight Lord I pray that you would release great faith in this building Lord you see every need that has come against the people of God Lord you have heard the voice of the adversary that has tried to intimidate has tried to push has tried to negotiate but God tonight I pray Lord that the church would turn a deaf ear to the voice of the adversary and we would set our face like a flint on you I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help my help comes from the Lord Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Saints, I'm going to open these altars right now. Come on, I'm releasing you to respond. Come on, there are people all over this house that have situations that you need to come and lay on the altar just like Hezekiah did. There are people all across this room that need to bring their petition on this altar and say, God, I don't have it, but you do. Lord, I don't know it, but you do. Lord, I can't see it, but you do. God, I don't know, but you do. God, I'm asking you tonight huh, to release the zeal of the Lord huh, as you did for the remnant huh, Lord, that stood on the wall of Jerusalem. Huh, Lord, you see huh, what is facing the Calvary Church. Huh, Lord, you see huh, what is facing every family, huh, every brother, huh, every sister, huh, every father, huh, every son, huh, every mother, huh, every daughter. Huh, Lord, release huh, an angel army huh, on their behalf tonight. Huh, release huh, the zeal huh, of the Lord. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.